<clears throat> Good morning, folks. Thank you for joining us once again, and welcome to Trading Punches with Pastor Vic and Pastor Shannon. We thank you guys for coming alongside of us and uh, allowing us to tell our story and um, just become one with each other. Amen. So we're going to pick up where we left off last time. Uh, we were sharing about no matter where you come from, what your background is, rich, poor, middle class, you know, what's your culture, uh, your heritage, no matter what race or creed. race, creed or color you are, um, there's always something hidden in all of our closets. Yes. Um, so as we move forward, <clears throat> we're getting more and deeper into uh, childhood life, uh, our childhood stories, you know. Although growing up, you know, my dad kept us very active, playing football. We started playing pop war sports at a young age, as soon as you could start, you know. I was on the football field and baseball diamond, you know, before I could even go to school because my brothers were playing. My dad, growing up in such a large family, Never had the opportunity to play pop water sports. Coming from a family of 17 kids, you know, uh, you know, it just my grandfather couldn't afford that. So um, my dad made sure that we were able to do it. And trust me, not that we had the money to pay for it, because we all sold candy bars. We did the whole nine yards because we weren't a rich, wealthy family. We were poor, you know. Uh, well, I'm not going to say poor, but we were... Just about middle class, I would guess, because um, we did very well uh, with what we had. But we, you know, we weren't rich, but we weren't exactly poor either. But we, we, we had to struggle for what we had. Yes, I was going to say, when you say the meaning poor, you're pretty much saying that maybe you didn't have some of the things that others' kids did yeah, have. Well, look, society the way it is today, there is no middle class and you're either rich or poor you know <laughs> Pretty and, much. and that's the unfortunate truth you know the way our our government is and the way things are going right now um that's mm. just that's the reality of it you mm. know uh but like i said my dad made sure one way or another we were going to be playing sports mm. and he wasn't going to you know take time off of work right. or rush home for work for our games if we was going to be bench warmers you know, so mm. we had to excel at the sports that we, you know, uh, played. Yes. And here's the cool thing, though. Unlike kids today, you know, we weren't going to walk around the neighborhood selling candy bars and, and knocking on doors and going to the grocery store trying to sell candy bars um, for our tuition. We weren't going to go to the football field or the baseball field and be the landscaping crew to pay our way and not be able to play. Yes. So trust me, me and my brother, we made sure that we practiced. We made sure we were on top of our game. And, uh, you know, uh, I just thank God that he blessed us with the ability to play. Yes, the um, talent that he the gave The talent you. that he gave us to play yes. so that we weren't bench warmers. Now, granted, I'll be honest, there were a few times I was like, Coach, I'm not feeling it today. I'm just, I'm parking on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> and I got in trouble when I got home. Mm. Why are you on the bench so much? Why were you playing? I was like, man, I was just tired, mm -hmm. you know? Yes. Oh, you want to be tired? You get out of the backyard, in that backyard. I'll show you what tired is. Mm. But, you know, 
That was on my end. What about your end, babe? On my end, um, what would seem to be on the outside when you would be looking from the outside, looking at one's home, you would see the perfect lawn, which we had dichondra. If people don't know what that is, that is a very expensive lawn that is put in that looks like three leaf or four leaf clovers. Uh, We have that type of a lawn. You would see this big, huge two-story house. Um, beautiful cars. And so what you would see from the outside would be, wow, they really have it together. They're wealthy. Yeah, but you weren't the ones taking care of it. You had gardeners and maids and stuff to take care of it. My uncle was the one that cut your grass. We did. We did have, yes, we did have gardeners. Yes, I did grow up with a maid. Um, yes, so completely different on the other side of the tracks from where you had grown up. But what you would see on the outside of the home was what you just appeared when you see somebody. Don't judge a book by its cover. But what was going on on the inside of the home, even way before we had moved into that two-story house, um, it actually began i'm going to take you back in some time uh it began from what i can remember i was five years old um i do think that it was younger but i can uh recall uh, a certain dress that i was wearing i can describe what that dress looked like and so when i say a deep dark secret i was being molested by one of my mother's brothers which was her younger brother which yes i am going to say his name his name was billy and i know my rights i know that i am allowed to mention his name whether whatever happens and the outcome of this that people do hear this that's nothing for me to worry about because i have peace in my heart today and where i'm at today with this So I do recall us living in a one-story house. We were living in Granada Hills. And it was before we had actually moved into this glorious, beautiful two-story home. And um, I do recall my uncle coming over um, quite a bit. He lived pretty close to us uh, within a few blocks. And I do recall him coming over and being the babysitter or being the one to be at our house quite a bit. And I do recall a time where I remember I was standing out in front with the neighborhood friend. She was the next door neighbor. And I won't mention her name. And I was actually playing. We were playing with the hose and we were watering each other. And I do recall my uncle Billy being there. And I do recall him saying, let's go for a walk. And I thought to myself, oh, going for a walk with my uncle? Okay. And so I went ahead and what I thought was I was going on a walk, um, I went on the side of the house and... um, I won't go into great detail, but I do recall him doing some very disgusting things with me. I do recall asking him, why are you doing this? And of course he never answered. But I do recall that when it was all said and done, 
I do recall him fixing my dress. And I do recall him saying, let's go to the front and we'll play hide and go seek, but don't tell anyone that we were here. So I do recall that. I wanted to start you at a time where you would know how long this had been going on in my life. I do believe it started before I was five, but I do recall being in kindergarten. I do recall um, that I can remember uh, that I was in kindergarten at that time, that I was five years old. And so I do recall coming to the front and we were playing hide and go seek. And I remember standing there and I remember the next door neighbor saying to me, where did you go? I thought you were going on a walk. And I remember at that age already, I had to lie to her. I couldn't tell her where I went. I couldn't tell her what happened. So I said, oh, we did go on a walk, but we ended up going on the side of the house because he had to show me something. So I was already making up stories. And so going on from there, I recall her asking, and I remember being scared even when I was talking about it. I remember thinking in my mind, what just happened? And so I wanted you to have a picture and an idea of what was actually going on. How about you, Pastor Vic? Well, like I was saying, you know, as a family, we did things, uh, brothers or whatever. Uh, and not just being my brothers, but cousins and friends that live with us. You know, um, we had to pair away, like I said, so we were selling candy bars and stuff. So we always had a bunch of people around us. And growing up in a huge family as we did, my dad being the oldest of 17, like I mentioned, uh, you know, my mom and dad had six or seven kids of their own. They adopted my two younger brother and sister. Plus, uh, we had, uh, you know, our cousins living with us, you know, uh, Richie and, and uh, our cousin uh, Jimmy Henderson, uh, Larry Esparza. You know, we had we had a lot of people that live with us in our house um, and other friends. You know, our cousin Leonard. Uh, uh, we just had a lot of people in our house at all times, and but we grew up in a very big dysfunctional family. When I say dysfunctional, is, yes, that is, is a great you know, word. Uh, a lot of drinking, a lot of drug use. Not on my mom and dad's part. Drinking, yeah, but as far as the drugs, all we're more like uncles and aunts and. Whatnot. We weren't allowed to participate in that stuff, but drinking, you know, my brothers would drink. We started drinking at a young age. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of perversions, you know, sexual perversion that uh, we grew up around, you know. Uh, just within the family, you know, it's just as far as aunts and uncles were, you know, they were just free uh, people, you know what I mean, if you will. Uh, so, yeah, we, you know, had a lot of people around us. And uh, growing up, my older brothers and stuff, you know, my sisters, they, you know, got with their spouses and everybody was drinking. We, my dad was always throwing, you know, really killer parties at our house, you know, Halloween okay. parties and yes. get-togethers get and whatnot. <clears throat> but, you know, being the youngest of four boys and number six or seven kids, 
plus biological, two adopted. biological, and then plus we had our two adopted kids that were younger, uh, brother and sister that were younger. Um, and I said, living in a house with a bunch of people, uh, you know, um, you get to see a thing, a lot of things. You get to witness a lot of things, you know. Uh, spousal abuse was uh, very rapid within our family, you know. Uh, cousins, male and female, we would beat up their spouses and get violent, you know. And I see that with my own house, uh, with my brothers and sisters, you know, how they were with their spouses. Um, but, you know, I had my brothers that were supposed to be my protectors. And my one brother I looked up to very much, and uh, he was a protector to me. He was like another father to me in many, many ways. But like I said, growing up with a generational curse of alcohol and drugs, you know, it trickles down the, the, down the bloodline. Um, and being uh, put in a position to, uh, at a very young age, on certain occasions to be intimate and have sexual intercourse with my sister-in-law uh, was very damaging to me at a young age. And it took that protector and that big brother uh, protection or what I looked up to and destroyed it. And uh, it was a very hard thing for me to deal with. And... You know, uh, but it's something you don't just blurt out and talk to people about, you know. And it's kind of funny because when you do tell somebody, they call you a liar and make you feel like, you know, you're telling stories or you're a storyteller or what did you do? Why did you allow it to happen? You know, um, so, you know, you either get called a liar or you get told it's your fault. And uh, neither one is the truth. You know, the truth is, is uh, there are hurt and sick people out there that want to hurt and, and, and do sick things to people, you know. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, I was one of them and my family that, that, that went through this uh, on a couple of different occasions. And it uh, growing up, it made me very angry and it made me very uh, uh, violent towards other people. Yeah. Okay. Um, as I was saying regarding the first time that I can recall that sick situation that I was in, um, I do recall my mom being a great mom. I do recall my mom taking care of us, bathing us, making sure we were clean, making sure that we had nice clothes on. Our hair was done. Uh, I, too, played sports as well as my other sisters. Um, my mom made sure to make sure that she was there uh, for every sport. I do recall my older sister, Kelly. She took acting lessons. Uh, she also took tap lessons. She took ballet lessons. And I do recall my mom being very much involved. And she was there every time for all of us. And um, uh, me and my other sisters, we played softball. I do recall starting uh, when I was six years old. That was the start of me playing softball. And I do recall my mom being heavily involved and always being there. And at the time, she was married to a, uh, a man by the name of Kenneth, 
who was my stepdad. Um, at the time, I didn't know any other. I thought he was my dad. And I do recall, and I can honestly say, it's not that I am trying to bash him. I'm not trying to uh, speak ill of him because he did provide for the family. But I will say the things that I can remember, my memories of him, I do recall him and my mother having some very volatile and hostile fights. I do recall my mother drinking. Uh, I do recall him drinking. I recall having to get up out of bed and hearing some yelling and screaming and things being thrown. I do recall um, at an age of 11, I recall, I recall having to go downstairs. This was at the time when we moved into the two-story house. And I heard my mom and Ken fighting uh, very violently. And I heard a lot of things breaking. And I did go downstairs and I saw my mother on his back. And it was very hostile. I remember hitting Ken in the back. And I remember him pushing me and telling me to go back to bed. But I do recall those memories where um, there were a lot of hostile fights between those two. And it always involved alcohol. I know that my mother had developed a horrible alcohol problem uh, shortly thereafter. And I do recall... Um, my mom being the kind of mom where all the kids wanted to come over to our house. My mom was a great cook. She was a great baker. She was always baking cookies. Um, she was a great cook. We always made sure to have dinner uh, all together as a family at the dinner table. And um, I do recall my stepdad working a lot. He did own a pool company. Uh, he did own a steel company, every facet of building a swimming pool as well as designing them. And I do recall him working a lot. I do recall that when he would come home, it would either be dark or close to being dark. And I do recall the family getting together. But in these memories of these things going on, I also remember the dark things going on. I remember my uncle coming over to the house quite often. And every time he seemed to come over, there would somehow be an opportune time for him to do something to me. And I recall that as I was growing up, by this time I was probably seven or eight years old, I do recall crying every time that he would do something to me and I would say, um, I don't like this, I don't want this, please stop. And he would always say, if you say something, they're not going to believe you. And so that seed was already planted into my mind. And so when I think of the homes that we lived in and I think of the cars that we were in and I think of playing the sports and having the great mom that I had uh, of her cooking and baking and having my friends over. What really stuck out the most was the dark secrets and the ugly things that were going on in my life. 
that started to take an effect on me as far as things that I started doing at the age of 10 and 11. And so I will get into that more later. Yeah, growing up, uh, like you said, no matter where you come from, all families got uh, um, skeletons in their closet. Yes. And as you were speaking, I just was reflecting on my childhood. Yes. Uh, how close uh, I was with my sister-in-law, you know. Uh, she was there. She lived in the house with us um, like a sister. And the few occasions that this happened with me uh, destroyed our relationship. To this day, we don't even talk. Um, but I think about the damage that it causes to us, the victims, and the path that I took or the path that was laid out from that point for me of destruction and violence that ultimately ended me up in prison. Uh, uh, yeah, it's we'll just... We'll get more into that. Yeah, it's just, it, it, it makes me emotional. Uh, it hurts my heart. Yes. To think where my life is, regarding my families, meeting my brothers and sisters, how uh, where we're at right now in our relationships with one another, and there is none. So, uh, but yeah, uh, we we're gonna get further into that. We'll get further into episode. that next time because uh, this this is uh, really heavy stuff for us. Yes. And, uh, uh, well, as we talk and share to help other people, you know, we're reopening wounds in ourselves that we still need major healing in, obviously. Yes. Um, but we're sharing this and we're sharing our lives. Yes. To help others that might have a similar pa past or similar situation you're going through now. Know this, that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And uh, whatever path that might be look might be laid out that it looks like for you, there's always a turnoff, and you can start another path. So know that there's a way out. Uh, so listen, we're gonna let you guys go. We thank you guys for uh, listening to us yes, and allowing us to you. share our story. Yes, uh, and we want you to stay tuned. For our next episode, which will be released next week as well. Okay. Yeah. And we want to just thank you for all your support. Yes. And we ask that you would continue to share this as well, especially someone that you might know that has gone through this. And if you feel that maybe you don't know for sure, or you got a suspicion that somebody is maybe going through some uh, family issues of, of being molested or even raped or or something, uh, and you feel this this podcast can help them, uh, please share it with them. Yes. You know, uh, we'd love to be there to help. But uh, until next time, thank you, and God bless.